so I tried singing earlier in the week to start our show. That really went well. Um, watching yeah. that playback was painful. We're not going to sing, but we're going to celebrate. <laughs> we're going to celebrate here at the beginning of this show. Ready? Today, In the Huddle goes down to the record books as the Division Three football podcast with the most episodes in history. This is episode 282. Uh, episode 281 is where Around the Nation's at. They may end up matching us before this is all said and done, but because of our consistency and sometimes multiple shows a week, we're it. This is number 282. That doesn't even include our live runs at uh, different events over the last mm -hmm. few years because those don't always get put into iTunes. But this is episode 282 as far as iTunes is concerned. JB, congratulations. Wow. You don't look like a day over whatever that represents. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get some nice, nice trophy in the mail, or, or you know, a little participation ribbon or medal. Yeah, there it is. There's the there's our trophy, <laughs> our go-to trophy all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeff yeah. Barrett was so, so waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, don't hold your oh, breath, hold Jeff. We got we got this one at least. Says my backdrop. Pause that. Oh, okay. Because that looks pretty my, fan. That's nice. When we're done editing this every week, this is what we want to do: drink. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Well, that's that's pretty cool to think we've we've been doing this for that long and uh, put out that much content. That's pretty wild. Is it cool or is it kind of nightmarish when you think about the implications of all this? I don't know. <laughs> ask my ask. Sleep don't wait. Nice. Don't ask my wife. Yeah. Don't ask my wife. <laughs> well, listen. We we had a game. We can celebrate going back to uh, upstate New York football games again. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we've got. The largest schedule we've had since we've returned to football in the spring. We can celebrate that. And we can celebrate a lot of different things because, hey, you know what? It's a pleasure and a privilege to play football, as we say here. This is Season yes, 13, Episode 282 of In the Huddle. So, okay, uh, briefly, uh, we're going to talk about Utica uh, in that game. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to have, uh, between those, we'll have interviews from Utica uh, with uh, three players and a coach. We'll tell you all about that in a second. And we're going to go through that schedule and also predictions because you've grown to love us for it so much. Love and hate. We have to do it. Yes. <laughs> We, we became friends with Endicott because of one of my badass predictions way back when. And, uh, you know, uh -oh. the rest is history. Uh, it's, it's funny. I see Kyle Bure, uh, the uh, former uh, backup quarterback for Endicott, at my gym in Clifton Park. And I think to myself all the time when I run into him, if not for my horrible prediction versus Becker, which doesn't even exist anymore, we may not Pretty even much, be yeah. friends with uh, the Endicott crew out there and all the ribbing we took for uh, some of that. But you know what? you got to laugh and smile at some of the relationships we formed over yeah. the years on In the Huddle. It's been great. That said, I stepped in it again, I guess, this week a little bit. Who knew? I mean, after 282 episodes or 281, you would think that maybe I would stop that. But 
Uh, some of the Twitter activity I had about Utica uh, was not well received by everybody, uh, namely uh, some of my friends at d3football.com. So I wanted to at least explain myself. Uh, on the tweet, I basically explained the day before the game I was not going to be allowed on the turf, which for us is a little bit tough because our package deal here when we go to a game is to give you Twitter videos of you know semi-live action at that point, as delayed mm-hmm. as Twitter allows it to be, and then interviews as well. And so it was looking like neither was going to be really possible. Coach Fagiano hits me up and says, you know, hey, don't worry. We'll do interviews in the stands. We'll, uh, you know, y- y- we don't have a track next to the field. So you're kind of right on top of the action anyway, which he was right. I remember back when, when I was there in mm-hmm. September of 2019, it seems like yesterday, okay. um, we got it to work. Um, the one thing I will not apologize for in life is the idea that, Challenging playing sports in the first place and some of the policies along the way is something I just will not apologize for. Because at the end of the day, guys like the Todd Gibsons of the world at Grove City or a a number of the coaches and athletic directors that have reached out to us along the way have all said to us, look, you know, can you help us? We need information on testing. We need information on this. We're trying to convince our teams to do this or that, our schools to do this or that. So could you help us out uh, or give us some information? Okay, those guys were trendsetters here in helping push back to get us back to a position where we are playing football right now. Let's not kid ourselves. They've told us that they appreciated our endorsement of going forward. Uh, Even during some of the darkest times, we were trying to help figure out how could we get back to play, back to play, back to the field. When it comes to find a way, when it comes to coverage, when it comes to families at fields and stuff like that, there are schools all across the country doing it. Division one was doing it, etc. And so, there are ways to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. just because it's new to you, does not mean it's new. Period. And I, yeah. I, politically active as I am in upstate New York here, I will tell you. Our, my home county, Saratoga County, decided to go return to play for high school. And they were acting in a way, oh, it's, it's really new stuff here. This is groundbreaking. We don't know really what to do or where, where we can do this or that with the attendance and you know who should be allowed and all this other stuff. And it's like, folks, you've got people in your own community connected with sports. I do flag football in South Florida uh, not that long ago. Our connection to Division Three which is, you know, akin to high school football in some ways because of the, you know, overlap of referees in a lot of cases and overlap in facilities in some cases and whatnot. It's like, it's new to you, but it's not new to this country right now in terms of our comeback. And so I just want to get this off my chest right now. We are not apologizing for those moments where we're trying to basically influence the situation to say, let fans in when possible, let media be in the positions they're normally in on the field, you know, put a barrier up, do what you want. Merchant Marine had stanchions, uh, you know, to either side of the player's box extended to protect the players. If they could do that in November, any school can do that now in March and April. So no apologies. I'm sorry to tell you, folks, no apologies because... It, it, it would really be flying in the face of the people out there that helped move this along in the first place. And I will not apologize for that. Uh, JB, your thoughts, I guess, as we uh, begin to go into game mode here. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less, Frank. I mean, and, and you know, we, we agree on this pretty much, you know, lockstep. So, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things where there's enough, um, you know, science, whatever you want to say out there that, shows that there's a way to do this in, in a safe manner. Um, we've seen now going, we're going into week eight. There's probably been, I don't know, close to 70 some odd games played. Uh, there's been some cancellations, sure, but there's been really no negative uh, repercussions from spring football as far as, you know, we, we have seen. And, you know, the country's moving in a positive direction. Yeah, sure. Could the vaccines be rolled out more quickly? Yeah. Um, but we're hoping that you know things continue to improve and that uh, we'll see something more of like a normal fall season uh, in a couple of months. Amen to that. Let's talk about Utica football. We're not going to go into an cr- official crunch time segment here, but we will uh, treat it uh, in similar fashion. In, in that game, Utica beat Alfred 30-17 to on Tuesday, the first Tuesday game we can remember in Division Three. to be honest with you. I, I don't know we can identify a makeup game or anything like that that's ever been played on a Tuesday. Usually it's a Sunday or a Monday if it's going to go uh, to yeah. that. Or on the flip side, you'll play on a Thursday or a Friday. Tuesday, rarefied air here for Utica and Alfred. And congratulations to them for pulling off this game along with the Empire 8. Uh, this was the first kickoff of an upstate New York D3 game since 2019. And uh, we're showing that kickoff right here. In the first quarter, Utica's Jordan Weaver. Uh, basically fortunate to find the tip in the air and runs all the way to the house with it. The 75-yard technical pick six makes it 7-0. to zero. Then in the second quarter, the defensive struggle that was starting to form in that game breaks as Tim Hogan gets a one-yard touchdown run for Utica. That made it 14-0. Alfred would be heard from, though, as it is Dustin McCaslin here with a 25-yard field goal on a 13-play drive. I thought they were going to score on this drive in the end zone, but they did get the field goal at least to make it 14-3. Here's a little trend that formed in this game as Makai Medici punts to the two-yard line. Uh, get used to that here in this game. Uh, that led to an interception by Darius Johnson. Uh, we're not going to show you the next uh, touchdown, but Lamont McGriff, McGriff came in for a four-yard run after that interception. So field position matters, everybody. Not just because of the punts, but because of what can happen in the ensuing drives. In the second quarter, though, we're still not at halftime. You have 48 seconds left. Zach Leinenbach gets a seven-yard pass from Connor Engler to give the first touchdown since 2019 to Alfred. The halftime score would be 21 to 10 Utica. Uh, then in the third quarter, listen to this play. That thud by Lamont McGriff in the 10-yard touchdown Ooh. run. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could hear that. I mean, even if there's crowd there, I think you would have heard that one. 28-10 to 10 is what he made the score there. There was an interception at the end of the third quarter uh, by Alfred. So we went into the fourth quarter with Alfred having the ball down 18. Nazir Landis gets a 35-yard pass from Connor Engler to make it 28-17. So they're not dead yet here uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The Saxons get a 50-yard kickoff return, or excuse me, punt return by uh, off of uh, Medici's punt. You're seeing that here now. But Utica's defense, much the way they started the game, steps in to help finish the game here as Joey Lapani gets an interception off another tip here. And uh, I'm not sure how the garbage can is doing uh, that he knocked over in the background, but uh, good sportsmanship by Alfred as well uh, after that occurred there. But Lapani's interception 
uh, eventually led to a Medici punt that got the ball again to the one yard line you're seeing here. That led to Amazing. a safety. And John Strong with that safety, not pictured here, but you'll see more of him in a second here. 30-17, the final in the game. Utica wins it. Lamont McGriff with 25 carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Connor Engler from Alfred, the quarterback, at 18 for 46. So a lot of throwing going on, especially toward the end. 234 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Jason Gauthier from Alfred, 12 tackles, including four for loss. So he had a good defensive day. That is Utica hosting Alfred. They'll meet again on Monday. Your takeaways from the game itself before we head into interview mode here. Well, I think both teams got off to a little bit of a, a sluggish start, maybe showed some of that rust of the 14, you know, or sorry, not 14, 400 plus day um, you know, layoff. I mean, 14 months, I guess, if you do it, look at it that way. Um, but, you know, I give, I'll give the Saxons and Coach Rankel some credit because they really looked more like a running team to start the game. And then when they fell behind after the pick six and, and you know, were having the field position battle kind of go in the, in the wrong direction for them, they really managed to pivot and became more of a passing team. And, you know, at some point there, Frank, it was, I, mean, I know it was, uh, I think, 28 to 17, but you, when you're watching the game, you're thinking, hey, you know, the Saxons aren't out of this. And even though they had a lot of things go against them, they really showed a lot of resiliency and, and really they got to give some credit to the coaching staff for really kind of changing the game plan up and finding some success. But ultimately, I mean, Utica's defense was awesome and that <laughs> the broadcast, I think every time they said Medici's last name, the word All-American went along with it. I mean, he's he's certainly going to be a kind of a guy that uh, you know, pro scouts are going to keep an eye on. If he can drop footballs like that, it doesn't matter if he plays Division one, two, three, four, or 5 or whatever. If he can do that on a consistent basis, NFL teams, pro teams, maybe now with the XFL in another year, uh, who knows, if that combined CFL-XFL thing, what that's going to look like. We're going to probably be talking about this kid as a, as a pro in some form or fashion when his uh, college career is done. Makai Medici. Uh, we, we finally got the name right after all this time. Uh, because Makai, when he, yes. when he drops dimes uh, in terms of punts uh, the way he did, uh, you got to get that name right. We don't talk to him, unfortunately, yeah. in this uh, interview set, though. So let's start off first with uh, the offense. Uh, you know, Lamont uh, McGriff's total, which, again, was 114 yards, two touchdowns. Workhorse. It's not just... It's not just the yardage, it's the power run that he brings to the table. And you saw in that thud play in the end zone, or going to the end zone. Yep, and uh, let me tell you who went backward. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the <laughs> offensive player in that, it was the defender. Lamont McGriff and I spoke after the game. Lamont, two touchdowns, big day yardage-wise, and just getting out back onto the field had to feel like a success for you guys today. Take us through the day, the emotions of just getting back onto the field after almost 500 days, give or take, right now. Uh, so it, it's a definitely a different experience, uh, having to bring our jerseys from the house to the field rather than getting dressed with my teammates in the locker room. Just a whole new experience we just got adjusted to, uh, but we handled it really well. Had a team scrimmage like a week ago. We're used to the field now. We just came out, don't we were practicing this whole time. We're practicing since fall, so came out prepared today. Uh, you and Hogan were sharing duties at uh, certain points. He, uh, I believe, had a touchdown early on. Yes, you sir. had uh, one that made a bigger thud than his uh, did <laughs> yeah. in the second half. How'd that feel? I felt fantastic to score behind my own line. We are talking about the power play all day. It's my best play, so uh, it was great to roll my own line with a touchdown there, two of them. 
Now that you guys have played each other, uh, you face off against each other again on Monday. Uh, and what do what'd you learn about each other, do you think, today, at least on offense, their defense? Um, their defense starting to get accustomed to our uh, boundary runs. Like our same side run plays, they got adjust to it pretty fast. So I know they, they already told me at 27, he said expecting me to run the same play. So we're just going to adjust to the film and just see what we got to do next game to be successful in the run, run game again. I'll give your kudos uh, to the school for making this even happen because I believe this is the first uh, football game in upstate New York since 2019. Yes, uh, our school has been working very hard with us to get us on the field. They've put extra effort to make sure we're able to play football in a lot of schools. No matter what division, I aren't even playing football right now, so I'm very grateful to be at Utica and be able to play football against another uh, another team. Shout-outs, you get them because you're a player guest, as always. Go right ahead. Hey, shout-out, Francina, uh, my mom, Shanika, my sister, Jessica, my girlfriend. And all my boys are back home now watching from Yonkers. That's all for y'all. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Great talking to him. But let's also give credit. The defense started out things the right way, uh, including Jordan Weaver with the first touchdown of the game for uh, Utica on that pick six return. John Strawn also scored with the safety late in the game. So the bookends of scores here by the defense in this game. And so we talked to both of those gentlemen. We have John Strawn. Jordan Weaver, both scored in this game in some way, shape, or form or another. Let's start with uh, Weaver. Early on, uh, you basically start out the scoring first touchdown for Utica College in almost 500 days, uh, give or take. How'd that feel? I mean, obviously, you were the right place, right time, but uh, you still got to the house and uh, celebrated with the team with some fans in the uh, distance there. How'd that feel? Honestly, it felt very good. It's my first time scoring on defense. So, I mean, <clears throat> just being there, running down the field with my teammates, it just felt like it's honestly undescribable. You can't really describe it. It just feels really good. Like the emotions running through my body, I couldn't even explain. Same uh, feeling of you, John. I mean, uh, you have the safety at the end of the game. Uh, some great play throughout the day, obviously. Uh, I mean, what did that feel like? And what about this defense, uh, how it's been gelling uh, throughout today? I mean, from start to finish, the offense has had some trouble. The defense, uh, for Utica especially, came out strong and stayed strong throughout the day. It's just, you know, it felt great to you know, be back out there, you know, with the, the people you love, the brothers you love, you know. This defense is is the best defense in the EA, I, I believe. And, you know, we just have to, you know, get better, you know, improve, you know, learn some things in this game and just go shut them out next time. Making a statement there, making a little statement. The fall is not that far away. Remember something. So uh, St. John Fisher and company, I know they were, uh, some fans were watching this game, so they're going to hear that. Uh, Jordan, I mean, come off that a little bit or back about, uh, I mean, what is making this defense gel so much? We communicate, we work together. It's a brotherhood. We got to stay together. We know that. So we communicate, talk to each other, help each other, make, help make each other better every day. Yep. We've, been, we've been preparing for this moment for a long time. Yep. You know, ever since we came back in the summer, we've been preparing for this moment, you know. So to get out there and, you know, execute, you know, coaches do a great job, you know, putting in plays, you know, making sure we're doing our job. And to come out here and do our job, it's just it's a great feeling. Fagiano, uh, known for his defensive prowess uh, from his uh, career. Uh, have you learned a lot from him? Yeah, I learned. I've only been here for two years, and I learned a lot from him. You know, he really developed me as a leader. Um, you know, being there being only one senior, you know, on the defensive line, and just being me, me and Weaver that played last year um, as a freshman, it's just, you know, we had to step up. And, you know, he really helped me step up and, you know, become a leader. Fagiano definitely helped me become more of a – more of a team guy. I know in high school I wasn't really a guy that talked out, talked a lot. So I didn't really, I didn't really 
mesh well with uh, team play. So I mean, like between like having him as my mentor, it was just talking to him. He helped me. I don't even know how to say that. Like, I feel like he helped me be able to really sit with all my teammates and really communicate and understand that. I, I'm sensing he's a big guy, but he's a shy guy at the same time. Is, <laughs> yeah. Am I on them? Yeah, he's a little like? shy. He don't talk that much. Unless he goes into the house uh, from about 60 yards out uh, yeah. with that interception. He wasn't so shy right then, I'll I mean, tell you. when we're all together, he's the most talkative, you know? Oh, it's hard to believe. So he's being shy with the guy uh, with the microphone. Yeah. Is that what's going on here? Camera shot. Okay, so show him how to do the next part, which is the shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates, anybody that might be watching this. I just want to shout out, you know, all my family back home, whether it's friends, you know, mom, dad, sister. I love y'all. Uh, shout out my mom, uh, my coach, high school, definitely helped me. Um, all my family, honestly. Strawn and Weaver, get uh, used to those names, uh, folks, because you're probably going to hear a lot about them maybe next Monday, but maybe also in the fall. Congratulations, guys. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Thank you. And then the moment you're all waiting for, Fage. Coach Vaggiano and I talked, and uh, we he and I were talking during the game. He was picking on yeah. his uh, – he had a couple uh, guys – Chirping at you a little bit? <laughs> you guys in Utica jerseys that weren't exactly what I would call your traditional ball boys, and he's like, these are the biggest yeah. ball boys we've got in the country right here, Rossi. And I'm, like, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I couldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because it wouldn't reach right now, but it's a whole other story. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, here comes our uh, discussion with Coach Vaggiano. There's one interesting moment uh, to me, uh, to this game, and that's the ability to communicate with you from up in the stands because there were no fans here today, but still the game got off the ground. Uh, there had to be some mixed emotions about some of the challenges of what's going on right now and playing this game. But overall, how do you feel now that's in the books? You know, I just I have a lot of, a lot of pride. It, it, you know, Utica College and a lot of respect, uh, Alfred University, uh, that our colleges were able to figure it out. You know, because, you know, the naysayers can say, you know, why, why are you playing? What's it? Watch the kids out here today. That meant something today. And, and they all improved, right? And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about them improving. And there's no doubt that both football programs will improve after this film, after this game today. And, and everything from, you know, just the flow of the game and the game conduct. And we have a lot of young players. I'm sure Alfred does as well. And just, again, a lot of respect for Coach Rankle. And, and you know, again, our, our two presidents for for getting this thing done. Well, let me uh, bring up one thing. I think they were learning about each other as this game progressed and were using it as this game progressed. It seemed like the first quarter, at least, of this game was nervous hour for uh, both teams, feeling each other out, at least offensively, made the defenses really rise to the occasion early on. As the game flow continued, it seemed like people were remembering how to play football again in terms of competition football. Did you get that feel at all from this? No, right on the headset, coaches were saying, yeah, this isn't practice, guys. Right? We had to finish plays. We had to finish probably not blowing the whistle early today, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I think I think today, you know, was really, again, about defense and special teams. You know, Alfred always plays good defense, right? They're, they're not going give, to give up big plays. And that, that's just a tradition that, that Alfred has. Definitely new. Uh, we'll be working a lot on the quarterback run game. Right? They were very <laughs> successful in that today. Yep. But we haven't seen that. On you know, RPO, so just, it seemed like they are yeah, going Yeah, you know, yep. so I think that, you know, that, that was something that, that, again, we adjusted to, you could tell, on the sideline, which, which was good. Again, you talk about a guy like Lamont, right, who's a, who's a I don't know, maybe he'll be a sixth-year senior now, right? Not a fifth-year senior, <laughs> right? And he talked to the team this week about being patient 
and waiting for your time to come. And with Brad Doherty graduating, Jamarius Morgan with a minor injury, it was great to see Lamont and Tim Hogan, who are both really going to be 60-year seniors that are hanging around because they care about this game so much so they can continue to play and have an impact. Well, many of their friends have graduated, you know. So, you know, I always think of the kids and what a great opportunity today and that the fact that, that Alfred's going to afford us the opportunity that we're going to go to their place next Monday, you know, uh, you know, we'll be excited for that as well. Game flow-wise, you know, 30-17 to 17 after the safety scored. Uh, but you did let them sort of creep back into the game a little bit in the uh, fourth quarter, maybe a little bit in the third quarter at times, too. Uh, it, it wasn't a complete blowout by any sense of the imagination, even though it felt at times like you were dominating the game. Is this a good teaching moment for you? Huge. You know, huge. I, you know, again, I go back to, like, Makai Medici, our yeah. preseason All-American. Two huge punts. Two, two on the one-yard line. We got some fans here. We do yes, have a few know. fans. There it's some the people, women's lacrosse, but there are some fans. people on the hill. Yeah, we got women's lacrosse. We had some fans on the hill today. I was glad the college let them kind of sit in the hill yep. and watch the game. But, you know, I think of, like, Makai coming in and just being that, you know, ice in his veins. Three? And, yeah. I'll tell you, it was three punts yep. inside the two today. Yeah, and then, yep. and then we scored. You know, we had, a, we had an interception, which led to a touchdown after, and yep. then we had the safety. You know, so that was huge. Um, you know, but definitely a learning. You know, we, we had a first-year quarterback start, Sonny Bedina. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of young guys, a lot of young receivers out there. You could tell Nate Palmer's our, our veteran two, of the group. You know, five seven. He, he tell you what, you wouldn't know it. Nope. Right, plays like he's six four. Yep. You know, plays like he's six four. But uh, you know, uh, definitely a huge learning moment. You know, so many things that we can gain from this for our program. Uh, evaluating our guys again. Go back, and then we had freshmen playing. They didn't. They, they had lost the whole season of playing. They lost the whole season of play and develop. True. So for us to be able to play today, play next Monday, and I am hopeful that, that we can find a third game. I can't say who or where or when, but you'll be one of the first people I call if we can lock it in. Sounds good. Because, again, it's all about the kids and getting them more experience. Well, look, Stevenson and uh, Wesley finally scheduled something up uh, last night, we heard. Uh, oh, so nice. there are still scheduling things going on in the spring, and we wish you the best of luck on that. Cool. We wish you the best of luck next Monday. Anybody you want to say hi to? I, I know you're a big family guy and everything. Yeah, you know, I, I, I want to say hi to my wife, Allison, and James and Josie back home here about 10 minutes away in Whitesboro and then <laughs> definitely you know my family in Rochester Florida and Albany love you guys and I know a lot of them are watching today so appreciate all them appreciate cool. you and appreciate Utica and Alfred for getting this game off the ground so. awesome thanks thank you thank you good times thanks to everybody Laurel uh, and company over at Utica I saw our friend Ray Biggs out there it just felt great to cover college football again right. over there in Utica my friend, uh, we're going to run the schedule on the screen here uh, coming up for week eight. Okay. We're not going to get to talk about the Carnegie Mellon game in this uh, Grove City game in this uh, batch. Uh, it's on the schedule, but obviously it's been played already when we, this show drops on Friday. So mm-hmm. uh, just pretend uh, that we will give coverage to it next go around. We did talk about it in our Wednesday show uh, with our lacrosse yeah. duo. So, uh, you know, pick out your favorites here. Uh, leave out the ASC game. We'll talk about that more in a second. But, uh, you know, there are games, I should say. What, what are you looking at here in terms of games to watch before we head into ASC discussion and predictions? Well, I think for, for Friday night uh, in the OAC, I think Heidelberg at Wilmington, easy for me to say, is, is really interesting. Um, the student princes put up the most points I think of any team in the spring season so far. I don't think anyone scored 66 points. Uh, they did last weekend. Uh, Wilmington has been this 
uh, you know, come from behind 90 plus yard game winning touchdowns with a second left should be an interesting uh, battle between you know, high scoring offense with maybe more of a you know low scoring defensive team. Uh, I like the, um, you know, we get late night uh, Friday night Pacific at George Fox. So we had the Washington contingent of the uh, of the Northwest Conference playing. Now we get a couple of games with the some Oregon teams. Uh, George Fox, we've talked about on the show in the past because they did do a trip to Alfred a couple of years ago, and and that was a, a pretty solid game there. On Saturday, I mean, the, the one game other than the ASC that jumps right off the schedule, Frank, has got to be Randolph-Macon at Hamden-Sydney. Both teams are undefeated. This is effectively a semifinal conference playoff you know, championship birth game uh, between two bitter rivals down there in Virginia should be a great matchup between you know teams that have been looked very strong. Hamden Sydney's been a little more their strength's been a little more on the defensive side of the ball with a couple of shutouts. Randolph Macon putting up a lot of points should be a great battle there. And then I guess on the uh, you know Franklin at Bluffton in in the in the Heartland should be interesting. Uh, the Grizz sort of took a step back last weekend and a pretty lopsided loss to Saint, Mount St. Saint Joe's. Um, and I imagine that the Beavers are looking to rebound after a really close call against Hanover. And as we know, Rose Holman and Hanover, two undefeated teams in their conference, looking to you know, keep that undefeated streak going. And then we also have the ARC coming coming back. Um, we, you know, it's been a while since we, since we spoke to our friend Chuck <laughs> out there in the American Rivers Conference. So we've got some stuff going on in Iowa in the middle of the country. And then of course, I think it's Sunday, Frank, we get Wesley at uh, Christopher Newport. So those are some of the ones I plan to tune in on and, and check out more closely. I mean, I know the, uh, the NACC has got some interesting games with Wisconsin Lutheran at Concordia and, uh, you know, Aurora there, that Zimbelman quarterback is getting some, you know, some press here and there. So definitely we'll probably check those out in between, but there's some of the bigger games of the weekend, I'd say, are, are those right off the top. Yeah, and I'm glad you leaned in on the NACC and Jack uh, games on page two uh, here as uh, people are seeing also the ASC games on page two. Uh, we'll get that in one sec. Utica Alfred on Monday uh, is another feature. So we go from Thursday to Monday, basically, with this uh, week's set of games. Uh, kind of unheard of spread, but again, it's spring football. That's unheard of to start with, so why not? Uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go, the ASC games, so. Um, and specifically, we're going to focus in on UMHB at Harden-Simmons. Uh, That's no the game of the week. Yep, no common location uh, scenario here uh, for this uh, grouping uh, like we had with the uh, SAA games, which is a little disappointing, but at the same time, yeah. uh, we do have home teams, and Harden-Simmons is the home team for UMHB. I remember what happened two years ago in 2019, the last second field goal uh, that uh, basically literally last second with the snap uh, got the win for UMHB. Some of the t-shirt activity that was going on between the teams and whatnot, it was a little bit funky. Uh, this, these mm -hmm. teams hate each other. There's no doubt about it. Um, yep. It's Texas football at its finest. And we're going to predict it in a second, but let's, let's kind of game preview some of the changes. Uh, for instance, uh, who is it? Kyle King, is it the uh, quarterback for UMHB? Yeah, well, he, he has been starting the last couple of games. I mean, Tommy Bowden has come in and played. He was the original starter at the beginning of the spring, and there's been kind of a little back-and-forth competition between those two. They, they have similar styles. Neither is really a great passer um, of the football, though they've had their moments, uh, and that 
really talented wide receiving core sometimes, you know, is, is, is really the reason behind that they could make uh, almost, you know, they can make me look good. Frank is how, how talented they are. <laughs> you know, I could just chuck it up there and someone would catch it. Um, Please don't. <laughs> but it, yeah. I know. Yeah. That someone's going to chuck me pretty soon, but I will just say this. I mean, you know, the UMHB defense has maybe not been as, you know, shutting team, you know, just, I guess, I don't want to say stout, but they haven't been you know shutting teams out as much as they used to, but they're still as good as any other, you know, defense out there nationally. And I think that you know, early on, it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, sort of a boxing match between this high powered Cowboys offense and that defense. And it ultimately will come down to, can the Crusaders take advantage of the, you know, the KJ Miller uh, punt return special teams plays, maybe an interception on defense, you know, getting that short field, which has really helped their offense should be a great matchup either way. On the Harden Simmons side, there's another KJ that has to be watched here. And that's Kyle Jones, their quarterback, who's yes. just been very efficient and Former powerful Crusader. for that team. Yep, yeah, last week he went 20 for 28, 233, two touchdowns, one interception. But Harden it's Simmons really did not have any. Yeah, he, Harden Simmons did not have a trip, uh, like we'll say against ETBU for Mayor Harden Baylor. It was pretty much consistent win by large margin by Harden Simmons. You could look at that one of two ways. You could say. Mary Harden Baylor got a wake-up call, and they're wide awake now after winning 65-20 to 20 against Louisiana College this past Saturday. Or you could look at it as there is an overpowering team on the field, and it's not Mary Harden Baylor out of the two of them because of the way the seasons have progressed. It's tough to read this game. It really is. But we're going to have to in a moment because we're going to be giving predictions on it coming up. Yep. But uh, the other crossover games, uh, Bellhaven at Howard Payne seems like an interesting game on paper at least. Um, Absolutely. Texas Lutheran at ETBU, like that one too. Louisiana College's swan song in uh, Division Three, I believe, is coming up here with the McMurray game. So they go to the NIA. Off to the NIA, yeah. And EIEIO. Southwestern at Sol Ross State. The 5C game. Woo! Okay. So, okay, I didn't throw my prediction sheet away. That's good news. Let's do it. Uh, we're we're going to start up the music. We're going to switch screens here, so watch this, folks. Click. Go. Okay, here we go. All right, Heidelberg and Wilmington. Hmm. Tough call, but I'm going to go with the student princes. I just think 66 points, uh, especially in a spring when there hasn't been as much time for practice, says something. Wilmington has been winning games, but sort of doing so by the very thinnest of margins, so... I'll say Heidelberg uh, squeaks ones out. Maybe a little bit of a shootout at first. Uh, 35 to 28. Wilmington with the four-game winning streak. It's tough to pick against them under those circumstances, but Heidelberg looked pretty good on Friday night. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Heidelberg wins big actually here. 35-20. You can't leave Wilmington hanging around. That's one thing we've learned uh, the hard way, I think, uh, over the last two weeks watching their comebacks at the ends of games. In the pack, there it is, at least fitting this time. It's uh, Washington and Jefferson at Waynesburg. I start this. Washington and Jefferson is just that team. It's old reliable. I I don't know if there's any other way you can look at this game, um, especially in the spring. Assuming they've got their players back fully and healthily in this game, they should win this game. I'm going to pick them. I'm going to have more confidence on offenses overall in this game. I'm going to say 43. To 27 in favor of Washington and Jefferson. Yeah, even though it's the first game for both of these teams, I'm going to go with El Presidente's 
uh, from WNJ. They'll probably you know keep it. The Waynesboro will keep it close in the first half, but the Presidents pull away and win it uh, 37 to 21. Boy, this clock's not even going to be a factor at this pace. I mean, we're we're just rolling through these. We're so, in. yeah, go ahead. It's Pacific at George Fox in the NWC. Well, I wish I knew more about Pacific. So I, I guess I'm just going to go with like the name brand here a little bit. I mean, I've seen George Fox in person. I kind of know their brand of football. So I think that they'll they'll you know do what they do, which is you know kind of control the control the clock a little bit, run, mix it up. It'll be a close game, but I, I'll say that. Uh, George Fox will win 28 to 21. Yeah, yeah, I hate to be redundant with uh, all your picks because uh, it's more fun when we're not, but uh, I'm going to have to say yeah. George Fox has a slight upper hand in this game based on returning personnel. Again, we assume returning personnel because we don't know if there are right, options. No, no. We haven't really compared rosters to yeah. see what it looks like, but we'll assume that George Fox is bringing everybody back uh, in these predictions and say, in that case, it's going to be them winning this game uh, by the score of 21-14. Uh, this is going to be more of a defensive battle than some of the other stuff we've been talking about. In the MIAA, it's Albion and Olivet. Olivet, sorry about the uh, slide error we had uh, earlier in the week, yeah, but uh, you handed it to Kalamazoo. Albion, though, obviously uh, in a different position as uh, they had him. Just going back to check my scores here. They were the ones that beat Trine 27-16. That's no slouch of a team in Trine. Mm-hmm. So, using the law of syllogisms, which I've decided shouldn't ever be used, but I'm going to use it now. Albion, I think, has an edge in this game uh, by who they've beaten so far. It, nothing against Kalamazoo, but it's not Trine. So, Albion wins this game by the score of 34-30. It's going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, so I guess I'll just you know mix it up a little bit, keep it interesting. I'm going to go with the home team because they were really dominant, and I watched most of that game uh, last Sunday. And, and the Comets really, they, they've had it all going for them in offense, defense, special teams. So yeah, I'll, go with the, I'll go with the home team. I think they'll um, start to create some separation late. So I'll, all of it wins 37-28. And you're going to go again with the USA South Brevard at Maryville, Tennessee. Ooh, yeah, Maryville has been in some defensive battles. You know, Brevard, you know, Eli Carr at quarterback. I feel like the Tornadoes are going to make a push for, for something here. They, they need to win this game to kind of get that chance at, a, at the uh, USAC you know, crossover conference championship game. So I'll, I'll take the Tornadoes here in a low-scoring, maybe even overtime affair, 17-13. I'm liking Brevard. Uh, I, I, again, you know, that, that was a disappointing overtime loss for Maryville. They thought they had a real good chance with that field goal in overtime ultimately, uh, but they couldn't hold uh, defensively with Huntington getting the touchdown to end the game late there. Uh, what was it, like three yards out? So mm-hmm. Brevard just has a better head of steam behind them right now, I want to say, and that, that matters, yeah. I think. Yeah, momentum matters, although Bluffton sort of let us down in that respect last week against Hanover when we were looking at the whole momentum even from the fall scenario. Uh, I'm going to give Brevard the uh, win here, 27-14. I, I just think that they're a better team right now than Maryville is on paper at the very least. In the HCAC, the Heartland, Rose Holman at uh, Hanover. I got to say, it, uh, Hanover has a lot of tools to win that game, 51-44 last week. 
Um, they've got to play a little bit better ball control than they did, though. I don't think you can get into a shootout week after week and win these games. Um, I'm going to pick Hanover over uh, Rose Holman. I believe this is a battle of the two teams that have been to the conference the last two times for the HCAC, if uh, memory serves. I think uh, Rose Holman had it in 2018, uh, if I remember correctly, and Hanover mm -hmm. in 2019. But they're both very good teams. I just think Hanover has the edge here being the home team. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I also feel that that, that close call against Bluffton might have been a, a bit of a, a wake-up call for the Panthers, too. But rolls Holman hasn't really faced the same level of competition. Um, not by their, you know, they didn't really have a say. It's just the way the schedule panned out. Uh, they might be more well-rested, less injured, <laughs> possibly. But I think uh, I think Hanover will uh, win a, in a lower-scoring affair, more like, you know, 28 to 21. CCIW time, Illinois Wesleyan at Augustana. I don't think Augustana played last week, if I'm, if I'm reading my They did not. Correctly. This, is yeah, a, so. this is the debut for the Vikings. Go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what we saw, you know, Milliken was able to control the, the line of scrimmage uh, against against Illinois Wesleyan. And, and you know, Augustana usually has some pretty big boys up there front. So I think that the Vikings are going to, you know, you know, kind of run the ball, do what they do, and, and they'll win this game, uh, say, 30 to 17. Suddenly the clock's posing a problem for us. I just noticed this. Uh, Illinois yeah. Wesleyan being the experienced team, despite the loss to Milliken, wins this game. Um 40-20. I, I think they have better yeah. firepower than what we saw last week. I was actually pretty surprised at the result, and I think they were too mm. on uh, that sideline. Uh, the NJAC on Sunday, it's Wesley at Christopher Newport, uh, and I'm going to say that uh, Christopher Newport just struggled against uh, Salisbury. I mean, the five points in the first half, that was it that they scored. They lose by 30-5, to I think it was, the final. Uh, Wesley upstart after the game on Saturday against uh, Montclair. I, I just don't see a way here for Christopher Newport to win this game. I, I think Wesley has this one. Uh, it won't be an offensive uh, onslaught, I don't think. I just think it's going to be a, a clear win, 27-10. Yeah, I think the Wolverines would probably take this one 35-10. Sounds right. Yep. Okay, here it is. ASC Championship game. Mary Harden-Baylor at Harden-Simmons. You start. Uh, I think the as, as I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I've been saying, you know, this this is going to be the uh, Cowboys game to, to, to lose. So I think Harden-Simmons will um, pull away late. They may have to overcome some turnovers, but I think they're going to do enough at the end to hang on and win 35 to 31. I believe that the team with the quarterback whose name is Kyle will win this game. Okay, that's it for our uh, predictions here. Oh, wait. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice try, Frank. <laughs> um, as time expires here, I'm going to say Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, I just, big Mo matters. It, it still does. And I think that scare got them to wake up as I was uh, suggesting earlier, that's one of the two things that can happen or that gets shown by the progression of the spring. I think Mary Harden Baylor wins this game. Uh, low scoring. I think we're going to have a battle of defenses going on here. 24-17. Uh, 
421 Mary Harden Baylor. Right, yeah, we'll see. So that's that, and uh, I think that's about all we can do in this show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we, we'll let you know if we're going to do one or two shows. Uh, but it was nice to be back on the scene as uh, it was on Tuesday in Utica. And hopefully I get out to a couple more games. That Wesley game, that Friday night game, is looking kind of interesting for a good travel night for me. Uh, maybe do a game day live uh, down there for their official final football game against Stevenson on, is it April 9th, I believe? Yes. Yep. So yeah, we'll see what's brewing there. We are also hearing possibilities of other games still unscheduled, perhaps non-conference yep. games in certain cases. As we hear more, we will let you know about them on Twitter, especially at D3FB Huddle. Until next time, my friend, thanks for joining us and putting up with us for two shows this week and a little bit of Twitter activity as well.